0: In Second John today, we have been for those of you that are visiting today. We're in First John. I think I looked back 18 messages. We went through the book of First John, but today we hope to get through the book of Second John. We're going to have to jump a ways pretty quick to get through. But I, I wanted to ask you a question before we begin because we're, the message is going to be titled "The Truth Walk: Walking in Truth" today. The truth walk. How many of you here, Dev and I, many years ago, I think we might have been five, six, seven years married, we started realizing our marriage, we weren't quite connecting. We just, she was going this way and I was going this way, and we said, What could we do as a couple? And all of a sudden we said, let's let's walk together. It will have some physical benefits, it will have a connection as as a couple. And we began to walk. And we walked in California. We lived along a river. We walked along the river. We went from California to Washington, and we walked in parks and country roads and cities. We came down to Phoenix, and we walked the streets of Avondale where we first owned a house, and Goodyear, Litchfield Park, Sonoran Estates, and everywhere we walked. We just kept on uh, growing together. Now as we're speaking today about the truth walk, how many of you do walk some I'd be interested to see because I'm going to draw some lessons today. I think I read from our president he said he don't take time to to walk like that because he says it wastes some energy wants to use other places but for for some of us like me i it's it's kind of good to get out and walk a little bit but as we're as we're going into this, just to give you a real quick shot, of where second john is is coming in at John was. Was one of the apostles, and he's recognized as the apostle that wasn't martyrs for his faith. He was the one that did not die like all the rest of the apostles for their faith as they chose to follow Jesus. He was immersed in boiling oil, and they thought they'd taken him out, and he wasn't even hurt. He wasn't even burned. And from the time of that being poured with boiling oil on him, John went out from there. And they exiled him through a Roman leader who ordered this over to an isle called Patmos. And there it was at Patmos for 18 months, John, or around 18 months. This is estimated. John wrote the book of Revelation through the Holy Spirit that we have record of today. And then he came back to Ephesus. And he'd been the leader of Ephesus and he wandered among the people and here was a church but all these little cell groups of people that surrounded Ephesus. And John wandered around with those, those various people in Ephesus. He was around 90 years old, give or take a few years. Not exact on that. Can't give you exactly, but he was an old guy. And John's heart as he wandered around and saw the spiritual need of the people, he wrote this letter. And this letter was written, and you're going to see it was written to a woman and her children. Some people say maybe that was in representation of the church, but I believe most people would feel that this was actually a godly older woman who had children that was kind of like a leader in the church at that time. And in the first three verses, we read, the elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ. The Son of the Father in truth and in love. You notice with me as we we glance into this introduction how many times already John has mentioned the word truth. You'll see this word just keep jumping out, and truth is a certainty, a fact. You can see it. We're leaving the text up there until we reference somewhere else. Because I think there's a Bible in front of you. Any, any of you that want a Bible. But a few weeks ago, I got thinking, maybe sometimes I get off and re- reference a few places. And you don't have a Bible to go back to. I thought, let's keep the text up there and look at this. But Start counting with me. Love and the truth. Know the truth. For the sake of truth. And the son of the father in truth and love. And here comes this truth walk we want to talk about today that John was appealing to the chosen lady and her children. Look at that with me, the chosen lady. And I believe she must have been a very special woman and her children. And this is the way that so many churches start. Someone hears the gospel, they just believe their life is changed Their family believes, and then it begins to spill into the communities. It's just very organic, and this is, is just how God works in building his church so many times. But as we look at this truth walk today, we're going to recognize that John expresses this very deep love for this woman and the children. Notice what he says, whom I love in the truth. And so he says, even my love is founded in the truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. And what he's saying is, I can look at you and see Jesus. And I love in the truth. And I can look around at God's people. And we all together love in the truth. That's that's where we have the power is through truth to love, such as this right here. But as we go a little further with this. He begins to, he's going to speak, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth, now notice how many times we're getting this word truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Most people feel like this woman's name was Martha. Martha. Not the Martha you're thinking of in the Bible, but she was it was a common name in that day, and this was the Martha in which he was writing to, and there she had children. And when you think about this, there's something when I look at that text and I say, you know, where's the men? We got a chosen lady and we have her children. And you know, one of the things that is really amazing in the in the inception of churches even today and I asked someone recently, is this still a percentage you get close to? Usually in these early churches, you've got about 80% women. If you go into a country like China, where God has taken us many times, you'll, you'll speak and there'll be 100 people there and you're talking to 80 women and children. And there's, there's several reasons for that, the men are out working. But I've sat down with some of these guys, many of these guys, and I've asked, okay, let's talk about where you are, where your your friends are. And this is what I've got from them. And I just jotted down uh, why they're not there. Some of them say, I could never be a pastor. I couldn't do it. I could never be a pastor. Another thing that I've heard is I'm just too busy. Our lives are so full and busy. There's no way for me to be, be, be able to be there. And there's another rule one I've heard several times, if you really want to know, and this is one of the things that's amazing about the Chinese, they don't hold back. They said, I just don't want to suffer. I really don't want to suffer. Now, they tell us in America, we might put a layer on that. We might say, no, it's because of this, I'm busy. They say, no, I don't want to suffer. I mean, if I'd be a pastor like you here, I would suffer. There was a woman who came to Debbie and I in China. She asked for prayer. And there it was. We said, what do you want us to pray about? And she says, I sense my husband has a call of the ministry. It's so deep in him, but I don't want him to be a minister. (laughs) She just lets you know. And I said, why don't you want him to be a minister? And she looked at me and she said, sir, you have been here several times. You know, if my husband becomes a pastor, he will neglect his children. He will run and have to run and hide and we have a wonderful relationship and i won't even know my husband anymore now one of the things i call young men out to in ministry is don't number 1 when god calls you to the ministry keep that family first step up to the plate be the man of god that god calls you to be if god's calling you right here today step up let you be join this elder woman but keep your family first Keep your relationship with your wife right up at the very top. I have watched so many homes be offered on the sacrifice of ministry. That was never the call of God. And John is writing, though, and he's bringing into this home, but probably this is where the church was starting to grow. And he concludes this, these first three verses with grace, mercy, And peace will be with us from God the Father and from Christ Jesus, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. He uses that word grace that is such a major word and teaching of the Word of God. Grace which covers all of our sin. I believe we heard that this morning. Giving us what we don't deserve. Giving us his righteousness in exchange for our unrighteousness. This is the grace of God. Then he says, mercy right after that. Withholding from us what we deserve. God just reaches out and says, I'm not going to give it to them. Because I am a God of mercy. I am a God of forgiveness. I am a God of kindness. And then he says, grace, mercy will be with us from God our Father And from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. And John just points up, and what he's saying, you've got this, I think, if you're you're following me here this morning. He's saying it's really all about the Lord. It's completely about the Lord. And everything John is going to speak to us about this morning uh, regarding the truth walk, that we're going to take together through the Word, we're just going to look at three great truths of the truth walk is he's going to keep on pointing that it's all about the Lord God from heaven. The first area of the truth walk we're going to see as we read in verses four, five, six, is we're going to see the view of the truth walk. When you walk like we all do who walk, you get to see a lot of different things. I still get amazed when I'm here in the valley that I just come to a place that I, I get a, a picture of the desert that just catches me. And I go, wow, this is magnificent. There's just something, now everyone has a little bit perspective. You go to the ocean, you see it right away. You go out on an island, you see it right away. You go up in the mountains and you'll see it right away. When you go to the desert, it takes a little bit. Because you see, it's hot. Now, for those of you who are visiting, it's not like this year round. But there's something else I've learned about this is the longer you're here, the more you learn to... I've just noticed again, again, right here at CCS, how often you say, well, how did you adjust? Well, year one, it was so hot. Year two, it wasn't quite as hot. Year three, I kind of learned how to adjust things, and now I just love it here. And that's kind of the story of of Arizona in many ways. That's giving you a very abbreviated form. But, But John here is, as he goes into this... This view of the truth walk, he says, I was very glad to find some, he doesn't say all, but that is italicized, to find your children walking in truth. Find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. And here John was saying, you know, it's just a, when I come and see the children in truth, I'm so blessed. Now let's go back and look at the context through which John is writing. For around 18 months, he was away from the people. His imprisonment was an island. He couldn't touch the church anymore. He couldn't be a part of that body. He would look and he would would see across the ocean. And I wonder how many times he just thought, I'd just love to see the church. I don't know how many of you could testify to this. I can. That all of a sudden even been overseas for like a month and I come back and I walked in this church and when the first song came here I just started crying I heard singing over there but not like this what John was saying is I came and when I got here I saw people walking in Jesus in truth and he said it was such a refreshment it was just like uh, seeing that fresh fruit that God was blessing with. And John just says, I am refreshed because I see you walking in truth. And the truth walk has some amazingly fresh views. And God knows that we need to see that. But also as we see the views, they don't just always look exactly the same. There's a place in the walk of truth that we do not see entirely just The children walking in truth. It's not always that way. Notice with me as we go further in this, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father, John's saying, you're just doing like Jesus taught us to do. You're just just living for Jesus. What does that look like today? Uh, Just making choices for Jesus. What would Jesus do? What does my flesh want to do? How would Jesus respond how would my flesh respond and John here just simply says I I got here and I got refreshed I just saw Jesus and I would guess we could have testimonies into the afternoon of those of you who could testify of the refreshment of God as you saw people walking in truth but John gives a little more picture of the view in verse 5 he says now now I ask you, lady, it's like I'm going to appeal to you not as though I were writing to you a new commandment. And one of the things you're going to find in Second John is what he is writing, he also wrote in First John. It's not like there's a whole lot of new doctrine here. It's about love and obedience and fellowship. And just walking with Jesus. But John says, now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. You know, when I get out of this, just reading between the lines, is John was looking out here and he's seeing the, the children walking truth, And all of a sudden he realizes, wow, there might be a little gap. I need to exhort the people a little bit to to for that gap. There's there's a little gap of love. And I'm just going to exhort them to love. And I don't know whether the Church of Christ ever gets away from that need for exhortation. It's just it's just amazing. But but here's John, he gets refreshed, but he gives us exhortation, don't forget to love. And we've been seeing this again and again. Matter of fact, even myself, I'd be studying First John, and I think, "Wow, we're just getting bombed with this all the time." But I've noticed this too. Sometimes, like John, he sees this little gap maybe in the church, and he gives a little exhortation to love one another. Don't forget that. But the other side of that is, he sees the children walking in truth. The other day, Deb and I were, was up in the mountains. Uh, in Pine Top, and we stopped at one of our favorite little Asian restaurants. It's a great place to catch a buffet lunch, and it's just a really nice little place there. And as we got ready to pay, there was a woman taking our our payment that we had not seen before, and all of a sudden, this dear woman began to declare Jesus in the most amazing way. And we were just paying the bill, and I asked, "Well, how long have you lived here in the area?" It's, Well, I've lived here my whole life, but 16 years ago I began to live because I found Jesus. And she said it it happened because of an amazing thing that happened. I lost my husband, and it was a tough deal, and I had a daughter to raise and didn't know what to do, and went down here to the church, just down the road, a little Calvary church, and I heard Jesus, and my life was changed. And there was that. There was that refreshing bubbling over. I don't, it it took me back to something, just a good reminder for me. Uh, The testimony of Jesus in you is one of the greatest gifts of refreshment you can ever share with someone else. All of a sudden it was like, Deb and I just walked out of that restaurant like, wow, this is amazing. But John goes on and he says, and this is love. He defines love. He had defined loved often in his first epistle. And this is love, verse 6, that we walk according to his commandments. This is a commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. And here John is, could be saying, when I began to minister, you heard it. But I believe he's going deeper than that. When you saw Jesus, you heard it. When you watched watch the life of Jesus, you heard from the beginning, walk in love. Walk in love. And this view, this, this view gets more beautiful, the truth view, the more we walk in love. Matter of fact, I would guess that the place that we lose the view, uh, the beauty of the view, is when we lose love. Love has a way of just kind of like slipping away. I believe it was, uh, it was Paul to the Galatians says, I, I just want to remind you, don't let, let brotherly love continue. It's like without realizing it, love can get cold. It can get hard. hard it can get indifferent. But John was coming to a place that he says, as I, I'm looking here, I'm just calling you to walk That we walk according to his commandments. And this is a commandment, just as you've heard it from the beginning, that you should walk in it. The view from the path is not always just as beautiful. You'll never see everything the same on the path. You know, if you catch a road in town, you you might have some favorite spots. But there will be places you just make it through for a while to see the view. There's a place in our Christian lives that God calls us there. Just be faithful, walk in love, keep my commandments, follow me. Just, just keep following me. Get up in the morning, put your pants on, put your shoes on, your socks on, follow me. And, and John was speaking of this as we look at this truth walk here. But the next several verses, we're going to see another part of the truth walk. He has spoken, he's using the word truth many times, but we're going to witness the truth walk in warfare. The going gets rough. You know, I guess it'd be nice for me to be able to tell you, hey, you catch this thing right, it's not there anymore, but that's not what John was writing. And I think what John could very well testify is he said yes to God. He was doused with boiling oil. He was sent to Patmos, but he still had the privilege to walk the truth walk in love, in obedience, and also to realize that it isn't always easy. It's not always smooth. The truth walk has different bumps. And and let's just look in verse 7 together down through the next several verses as we see some of the roughness of the truth walk. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. They do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. This is a deceiver, and then John says, and the Antichrist. Now let's get that clearly, what he's saying. He's saying that deceiver denies Jesus. Jesus. His work, his sacrifice, his offerings, his power, everything who Jesus is. And John is saying, look out here as you're walking in the truth walk. Realize you're in a war. That doesn't mean we walk around going, well, where's all the deceivers? What it means is we walk in spiritual discernment before God, saying, God, God, just give us wisdom. Give us direction. Help us to see your truth and follow it. Help us to do your will and delight to it. But here, John is saying, uh, those who do not, it's so clear. I, I love this about John's writing in the spirit. He says, they do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. And then John goes on, watch yourselves that you do not know what we, you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. So John is saying two things here. Look at it. He says, look out there, watch for deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And the other thing he says is watch yourself. Really what he's saying is watch your step. I would guess everyone here can can testify sometime that the Christian life uh, reached a point because we did not watch ourself. We took a one step back instead of one step forward. We just failed for a moment, maybe, maybe for it was a period, a season of time. But John here is giving us two things: watch out, many deceivers have gone out in the world, and remember this: you, you hang on to where Jesus is in the midst of the message, in the midst of the declaration. Oh, I think of just several questions I jotted down, and I remember asking myself years ago, when a guy came to our house, and we had we were just got to Washington, and he called and he says, I wanna come. I, you don't know me, I know you. I'm gonna bring my family, because I think we ought to partner together. And he piled in in this big 15-passenger van, and here he was. And we sat there, and I just began to go, God, he's a friendly guy, but do you want us partnering? And I just began to think about that and pray about that. And one thing that I just kept asking is a question that I've asked many, many times. And it's just this, is it about religion or is it about Jesus? Or is it about uh, my way or is it about his way? Or another question, is it uh, my faith or his faithfulness? And later that day, we, we shared that that probably wasn't where we were. It's interesting, though. I just got to Kentucky a couple of weeks ago for a, a graduation of my son. And when I was there, I met one of his best friends. And he shared with me where he has got from that time till today and a lot of bumps along the way. But, I, but, but, but the Lord here, through John, is just simply saying... Uh, be discerning, be attentive spiritually, watch yourselves, verse 8, that you do not lose what we have accomplished, that you may receive a full reward. And, and I don't know what all he means here. I, I, I get the sense that where John wrote earlier, abide in him, so when we come before Jesus, we're not ashamed. We don't have to say, Lord, at the judgment seat of Christ God. Oh, I'm so ashamed that you will receive a full reward. But what he's speaking about is this this infiltration, a deceiver here. The word is is planos. It is an imposter. They are an actor, a misleader. Uh, Another expression is that they're like a tramp. That's the old old tramp that just roves around looking about where they can go and where they can find stuff. But I I remember several, um, not a few years ago now, we were in a a deliberation as our elders and we were at a really tough crossroad in something and we had visited on with several uh, not related to here, but um, I still remember what one of our elders said and just caught me in that deliberation. He said, as I was listening, I never heard the word Jesus. I never heard the word the Holy Spirit. And I never heard the word God's will. And it just caught me. You know what I believe uh, John is writing here is is with spiritual discernment. You can can be discerning. You can really be discerning in the spirit. And God will take us to amazing places. Uh, In verse 9, if anyone goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ... Does not have God, the one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. And again, John is saying, I want to give you a very clear message. You have the Son or you don't have the Son. You have life or you don't. There's not gray ground. There's not this middle point. In Christ you're saved. Without Christ you're lost. And I realize that isn't always a palatable message of today, and yet it is so true. You know, one of the places when I think about how the trail isn't always smooth, we used to, for many years, we would take a group of young men, a group of us guys, would take a group of young men up in the Sierra Nevadas to the top of a place called either the Immigrant Wilderness or the Tioga Pass, and you're up, you're up about 9,500 feet. And up there, we, we, we found a group of lakes called the Ten Lakes. It became one of the choices for years to go to. The trail wasn't quite as steep. It was so beautiful. And when you got there at 9,500 feet in the Sierra Nevadas, right over Highway 120, coming down to Levining, it's so amazing what it was there. And find ourselves in awe of God. But the first time I got there, I remember passing a backpacker coming out. And I looked at his, uh, one of his bags and it was ripped up. I said, what's the deal? He says, it's beautiful in there, but there's bears. <laughs> and I've, I've never seen bears like I have saw at 10 Lakes. And one, one time we were taking young men and we got there late at night and we didn't have time to set up our tents And we just laid down our our sleeping bags. And one of the things you teach these men, we're in bear country. Whenever you, if you see a bear, just bang the pots and they're gonna go. And I was the teacher at that time, but about, I don't know what time it was, one or two o'clock in the morning. I don't know if you've ever done this. I just woke up and I wasn't sleepy at all. I was just wide awake and I heard a noise and right there was a bear. And right beside me was a guy named Darren and he was sniffing Darren. And I said, Darren, and he, he gave a little jerk, he said, huh? I said, Darren, there's a bear. He said, huh? And I still remember grabbing those pots and wondering if they really worked, all that teaching I'd done. <laughs> and, I, and I took those pots and banged them together and there went the bear and it worked. And for years, we used that those pots to drive those bears away because it was so beautiful. But in the middle of the most beautiful place, there was still a danger. And I think John is speaking of this in a real way in the Christian world. It doesn't matter. The most beautiful fellowship, there's still a danger. And John is just speaking about this importance of Keeping your eyes on Jesus. And we'll get to this a little bit later, but for a moment, let's just look at a couple portions of scripture in the Bible. Psalm 91 and 1 on the screen. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's one of Deb's favorite chapters. What's he speaking about in the shelter? who dwells in the shelter, and, and you just think about it, then what does that mean to abide in the shadow? And I can't get all of that, but what I can give you is this. What he's saying is when you're there, God's got it. He's gonna be there, okay? John 15 and four. Another classic passage of scripture. Abide in me and I in you. Notice the mutual exhortation of Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And John is simply saying, you can't do it. All the things he's writing here, he's saying, you can't discern that. But when you abide in me, and I in you, something amazing begins to happen. And in chapter 15, verse 7, he says it again. He says... If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And here comes that mutual side of this again, this abiding. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says, here's what's going to happen. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. That's another one of those passages that's so powerful in answered prayer. When you abide in the Lord and the Lord abides in you, you can call out to God and God does it. He hears you. He completely opens the doors that that no one else can shut. And he takes you to places in which uh, we never thought we would go. But also there's another part of it. He gives us the ability to walk the trail in warfare. Walk with Jesus in difficult times. I I, I want to get to one other side of this in a minute. But uh, Polycarp was one of the early church leaders. And what Polycarp was, what on record is saying, uh, was a time that he was with John at a Roman bathhouse, the, the, the Apostle John, and John was just ready to go into the bathhouse. And someone told him, there's a person that that is a false teacher that's bathing right now in the bathhouse. And John said, I can't go. He said, I cannot go in there because, and these are the words that he said that Polycarp recorded surely the house will fall to ruin since the enemy of Christ is there. Now let's keep going though, because there's another part of this in verse 10, and I want to reach out. It says, if anyone comes to you, and notice how far reaching it means if it's a pastor, if it's a teacher, if it's your discernment by the word of God comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting partakes in his evil deeds. Now, what what does that mean? That's real big. But I want to take us to something of the word that is so true that we must look at in this balance. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He even went to the house of Matthew, who they called a sinner. He went to Zacchaeus's house. They called him a sinner. Jesus went and became a friend of sinners. But there's something here we have to get, because what he's speaking about is the discernment. If there is a clear denial of the truth of God, be discerning in how you respond. History here records that possibly this very woman was opening the doors of her home to all of her kids with someone that they knew to be a false teacher. You don't do that. Do you love them? Yes. Jesus loves everyone. He sees past the sin to the soul. Jesus loves. Jesus forgives. But I believe what John is teaching here is to be discerning in our spiritual lives and in our relationships. Paul wrote this in Corinthians. He says, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Because what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness, or light with darkness, or what part has he who believes with an infidel? If it's there, be careful, step back. Matter of fact, with that brother that came to our house, we had a good afternoon together, into the evening. Matter of fact, Deb will remind me, sometimes she wondered if he was ever gonna leave. It just kept on going. But the one thing is, there was this, this thing with the Lord, don't form a relationship. it's just not where you should be don't build you can be a friend and there's a place to be discerning but there's a place to say god by your grace keep us from that evil and probably all of us can say here's a place we kind of took a step across the line and here's probably what happens somewhere but here john is just notice he's very explicit if anyone comes to you he reaches very far and does not bring this teaching do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. I think this could be speaking directly of proselyters who are, are coming around teaching that which rene- denies the very power of the Lord and the work of Christ. And he's saying, don't even give a greeting. Don't go there. Just recognize carefully the danger And respond accordingly as the Holy Spirit, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. But the last area I want to look at here is, um, and I, I really think when we're looking at the truth walk today, what the Lord is saying to us through John, has been speaking to me, is stay on the trail and don't get diverted. Sometimes I can go back, as I was studying this, I look back at all the diversions the enemy will throw at me in one week and it's just amazing. You know what he wants me to do? Just get away from Jesus. Just, just swing in the flesh. Just do something like this. But I think what he's saying is stay in the trio. Don't get, your, get diverted. Take the bigger picture. Keep your eyes on the obstructions, but focus on Jesus. Get your eyes up on Jesus, who's going to give us the power to resist and the power to discern. And here's another one, the power to keep loving. Have you ever had that experience where you've loved someone that it seemed like impossible and all of a sudden you watch the Holy Spirit just touch them in a way that you had no idea that that would happen? That's what God does through his His children. And John comes to the end of this writing, verse 12, and he says, though I have many things to write to you, I will not do so with paper and ink. I don't know why. But I think if you read the rest of the passage, you see why. He had a vision, but I hope to come to you and speak face-to-face that your joy would be made full. I want to come and connect with you in fellowship. I want to have face-to-face fellowship with you. Maybe he's saying this because he said, you know, I didn't have a lot of fellowship for a long time. I didn't have that. But that little face-to-face One of the renderings I read would be the same as like mouth to mouth, just close. Have you ever been there? I'm sure many of you have, where the fellowship became so sweet and intimate that you're just communing in the Spirit. And you're just feeling the Lord there in the most amazing way. And John here is saying, when I come, I want to have this kind of fellowship with you. Face-to-face fellowship. Heart-to-heart fellowship. Mouth to mouth fellowship. You know what John is speaking here of? Is, is there's something that goes beyond the, the written pen? It goes beyond. I don't know how it happens. Uh, I look back at the times that God just opened the doors of fellowship. There's times because of uh, the settings we were in, we would just have a whole lot of people that I didn't hardly know around our table on a Sunday afternoon. And all of a sudden, something would just happen. And God to open the doors and the fellowship just flowed. And pretty soon it's 6 o'clock and you wonder where all the time went to. And you're confessing your faults and and dealing with uh, your struggles and you didn't even know you was going to get there. But you know what happens in fellowship? Jesus is exalted. Jesus is lifted higher. Jesus is magnified. And John here was saying, you know, I just want to come and be with you and enjoy the very presence of Jesus himself. And he signs off the letter, the children of your chosen sister greet you. And now he says, it it isn't just about my greeting to you. It is about the body of Christ greeting. He reaches out to another sister there and he says, the children of your chosen sister greet you. And John says, you've got a great big church that loves you. And it's not just about the ones that are in your house or the ones that are in Ephesus. Your chosen sister greets you. And that is the beauty of the body of Christ is God just has a way of showing us fellowship and people who love him in the most amazing places and ways that we never thought we would see. All of a sudden, it just happens. It happens in restaurants, and it happens in coffee shops, and it happens in grocery store lines, and it just keeps going. Airplanes, you name it. God shows us that church is a big place even today. And what John is really saying is, as they send their greetings, they're rooting for you. They are rooting that you will win. They are rooting for you, sister, and your children. They care for you. Their prayers are going on. And they are rooting for you in the most amazing ways. And as we come to the end of this, and we look at this beautiful walk that we're looking at, we have this beautiful walk with others. A church, the Bride of Christ... A family. Some of you today are going to have special family time as you see some of your family married. Brothers and sisters, but I want to give you one more because this makes all the difference. You might not have a companion, you might not have much of a family that believes, but if you've got Jesus, He's walking with you every step of the way, everywhere you go. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He shows us obstructions. He shows us the beauty. And he also keeps saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you come to me, I will bless you tremendously. And I guess I just want to encourage us as we come to the end of this message to, to join us in the walk of faith. It's a blessed walk because Jesus is there. That's why John took the time to write this so thoroughly. Jesus is there. And as we allow Jesus to lead the way and take our hand, and then together with the brothers and sisters of all generations and all nationalities, people in India and all over the world, we walk together. And it is a mighty army of God's children he calls the kingdom of God today. And what he says is, walk with me. And if there is any here this morning that has not made a choice to walk with Jesus, you probably know who you are right now because as the message was coming, you, you just weren't quite sure how to, how to fit this in. You, there's a lot of fear instead of that faith that Jesus is the way. I would just pray that today could be that day that you would say, Jesus, I want to walk with you from now on. I want that view. I want that group who I can walk together with but more than anything, Jesus, I want you to walk with me. And if that is you today, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't walk out these doors without responding to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want you to be my way, my truth, and my life. And the promise of the word of God is he will be that. He won't leave us, he won't forsake us, and he will be there in every way. God may move you to come up here to the front and have someone pray with you. We'll have prayer team leaders here. God may move you to sit in your chair and just offer a prayer to Jesus. Or maybe there's someone else here you just slipped along the way the last month or two. This is for you and I too. To walk with Jesus. Let him lead the way. Let him hold our hand. And he will give us the most beautiful view we've ever seen and protect us through everything we come in contact with. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. You're there. You're there all the time, Lord. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Your heart beats for us, Father. your children's heart beats for us. Your children's children's heart. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you are the way, the perfect way. And we know sometimes, Lord, that path that we choose to walk may not always be the most pleasant. But when you're with us, where there is obstructions and dangers, beauty comes out of your presence. Peace comes in the midst of your presence. And oh Lord, I pray that today you would speak to every one of our hearts that we can walk with you completely because you are that perfect, perfect companion. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible for for us even to be here, for us even to be able to follow you. And we seek you to lead the way, O oh Lord, until you come for your church, your bride, one day. And O oh Lord, we pray for the one person here, the one soul that needs to respond to you. Father, I pray that today, at this moment, they could respond to you and to realize that there is no other way but the way of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.